This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from AllComic.com, episode 81. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lon Romayaja, and today we're going to give you our reviews of the two latest new Shonen Jump Simopubs, Yui Kamino Let's Loosen the Last Sayuki. It'll be a shorter episode, but there's plenty of news to talk about, and plenty to talk about about those series. Uh, I guess before we get on to news real quick, just in case you haven't seen it on the feed yet, or m- maybe you have, I don't know, we finally put up the our Shaman King episode a couple weeks ago, and if you haven't listened to it, you should. Yeah, we're only seven months late. <laughs> I actually listened to most of that episode, and I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, hopefully you reach Shaman King. I I will, just as soon as, hopefully when one day Kodansha releases it, maybe. Well, that might be a while. It might be, but I'm 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 willing to wait because I want to I want to read the the Kanzenban version because it because mm. from from what you guys talked about on the episode it feels like it has a more complete ending, and I don't know if I can handle the original ending. So <laughs> I just I mean you yeah. can read the other ending through other means. I guess if you really wanted to. I guess I could. Look, I'm 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 gonna wait a little bit. If if it hasn't come in the next couple of years, then then maybe I'll I'll probably give up and just maybe maybe read the original run. We'll we'll see what happens. But anyway, just wanted to let you guys know that was out. So yeah, if you're a fan of Shaman King, go listen to that one. Maxi was on that episode, so if you're a fan of Maxi, you should go listen to that one as well. But uh, yeah, we should just get on to the rest of the episode. And as per usual, we have a few lists to talk about such as the top 10 manga franchises of fall 2018 from uh, ICV2. And I don't know, should, should, should I start from the bottom and go up towards the top? Why not? Okay. So at number 10, we have Berserk, which I'm I'm happy to see. Yeah, Dark Horse Comics' highest-selling title, not just manga, but comic in general. It's no surprise that it comes in there at number 10. It's it's only a little bit surprising to me because, like, Berserk only has, like, so many releases per year, obviously, because of all the hiatuses it goes on. But, I mean, it's it's still a really popular title, and a lot of people love it. Though I guess there's... Not to mention that there's the new editions that Dark Horse has been putting out, which I'm sure have driven up sales a bit. Yeah, that's that's also true. Uh, at number nine, we have uh, The Legend of Zelda. Obviously, the uh, the Legend of Zelda manga from uh, Akira Himikawa. Those manga titles in particular are always popular, I know. At number eight, we have Attack on Titan, which, again, is another evergreen franchise. Just like with uh, number seven, with the basically the Dragon Ball franchise. They have it listed as Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Super, but I think we can classify that as just Dragon Ball. Uh, you know, again, it's something that always does well. Uh, such as uh, One Piece at number six as well. Hey, One Piece is selling more than Dragon Ball in the U.S. Who'd have thunk? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess that is true. Huh. I, I didn't even think about it like that. At number five, we have basically Junji Ito stuff that basically just, you know, his stuff just does better every year. Yeah, it's probably the most surprising in terms of placement on the list, but it's a pleasant surprise to see horror so high. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else that's not a surprise is the Naruto slash Boruto franchise at number four. Again, Naruto is something that's, I'm sure, pretty much is always going to be popular. Mm-hmm. The Evergreen Orange Ninja. <laughs> as well as Pokemon at number three. I don't think there's really much else to say about that. 
You gotta read them all. Though Pokemon is such a, I mean, it's not nearly as huge as it was like back in, I guess, back in the early 90s, but it's still a big thing. But I, I only say that because, like, you know, the, the, the top two manga franchises... I mean, it's not like Pokemon's a billion-dollar franchise or anything. No, but I'm I'm just saying that, like... I'm, I'm saying that because, you know, I, it's worth noting that, like, the, the, the two manga franchises that have overtaken it are both Tokyo Ghoul at number two and My Hero Academia at number one, which is not surprising, but at the same time, it's like, when you're able to compete with something like Pokemon, I think that really says something about its staying power. Yep. That's for sure. I mean, it's no surprise to see Tokyo Ghoul and My Hero Academia take the top two spots, considering we always talk about how they're the most represented whenever we cover book scan lists. Mm. So, overall, I'd say these top ten fall in line with what I'd expect to be the highest-selling manga properties in the United States. Mm. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this list might change in the next year. Something I want to note about this top ten is that there's no One Punch Man on the list, which I actually find kind of surprising. Hmm. Considering it's usually on, on the book scan list, at least like every other month, if not every month. That is true. Perhaps releases have slowed as of late. Probably. I mean, I'm, I'm sure at the very least it would be like, definitely like in the top 15, I would say. Mm hmm. It'll be interesting to see if season two will boost the sales up again. Oh, no, yeah, I'm sure Season 2 is going to raise a lot of interest, for sure. And, yep, only two volumes last year, so the releases did slow down. Mm, okay, that makes sense, then. Um, But, no, yeah, uh, other than one or two, you know, surprises as to what placed where, basically, these are all the franchises I would expect to be popular as of late, so. Mm-hmm, but that does it for the top franchises of 2018, and so now let's see what's tracking in 2019 by looking at... The book scan list for February, the top 20 adult graphic novels list in February. And once again, two thirds of the list is manga. 13 manga volumes in the top 20. With My Hero Academia, of course, being the most represented. Coming in at number one here with volume 17. We also got at number five, volume one. We got volume 16 here at number eight. Volume two at number 10. Volume three at number 15. And volume 15 at number 16. My Hero Academia continues its dominance. But we also got a lot of other series on this list too. We got Ruby, the official manga anthology, volume four, the Yang anthology. That comes in at number four. We've got Marikondo, the life-changing manga of tidying up a magical story. No doubt a lot of people are checking out her Netflix show and going out to buy her books, including her manga. We got One Piece, Volume 89, here at number 11. We got Tokyo Ghoul, RE, Volume 9, at number 13. Dragon Ball Super, Volume 4, at number 14. My Solo Exchange Diary, Volume 2, at number 19, which I gotta get down to a store and pick me up a copy of that. I forgot that's out already. And we've also got, at number 20, Black Clover, at Volume 14. So a lot of representation, a lot of different series on this list. My Hero, of course, dominating, but in general, manga is dominating, and that's really nice to see, as always. Correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is Black Clover's first time on the list? I don't know if it's his first, but it's definitely not a common occurrence whenever we report these, so it's nice to see that it is ranking high in the month of February. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hoping to see it a little more often, because I, I, know, I know the anime has been really popular, you know, if, if we're going to use Crunchyroll as a metric. You know, it's, it's, it's always in, like, the top ten of, like, the most popular of whatever's on the site, so... I'm hoping to see that translate to the manga. 
Yeah, Black Clover, I think, has always been popular, and it seems like it's only growing more so. Mm -hmm. Again, not a lot of surprises here. Yeah, but all popular things must come to an end, as we'll discuss in our serialization news. Would you like to lead off, Colton? Yeah, so in the April issue of Kodansha's monthly Shonen series, it was announced that Attack on Titan Before the Fall will be ending in the next issue on March 26th. So yeah, that's basically ending. I haven't read Attack on Titan Before the Fall in particular, but I've heard good things about it. I hear it's good prequel. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was even better than the original series. I could believe that. <laughs> yeah, so I will definitely be checking out the ending of it. I'll definitely have to catch on with it since it's been a little while since I've read it, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think of all the Attack on Titan pieces of media out there, I thought it was the best of the bunch. Mm. Yeah, again, I can believe that. But as things end, things return, as is the case of Pokemon Adventures, the Black 2 and White 2 arc resuming after a one-year hiatus. Since February 2018, it has once again returned in Chicago's Sunday Webry Magazine, publishing the 19th chapter. This arc has been going on since 2017. It's been going on long after the ending of the respective games. The Black 2, White 2 games came out years ago, and this arc of the manga is still being published. But finally, it's getting continued, and apparently Kazaka tweeted in January that the manga has resumed with a clear plan for the ending, which should be in sight. So, hopefully, it will actually end. Because it is quite weird that this keeps going on hiatus because they have to focus on the current Dark Beast, on the current games. So this has just been in limbo, and we don't know the fate of Black. Will Black return? <laughs> Finally, we will know the answer. I know CRT, uh, unofficial scam leader of the Pokemon Adventures manga, has had thoughts on the return of this arc and the direction it's going. I have not checked out the leaks. I am waiting for the official release, but I am hoping that this arc wraps in a satisfying manner. Though, I would say, based on the volumes I have read, which are only two, because that's only as much as been published, that it is probably the weakest arc of Pokemon Adventures so far, I think in the large part due to these hiatuses, and the fact that it has to be rushed to get to an ending because there are other games already out and they have to catch up. But, in any case, that about does it for serialization news, and now we can go on to licensing. We'll start off with a J-Novel Club license. They license Ren and Gucci and illustrator Masa's campfire cooking in another world with Maya's third skill light novel series. And the first part of the novel's first volume is available to read for free right now. What is this series about? Well, it's about a guy who was nothing special in Japan, but then he was summoned to a world that's more played so straight. You know, all the typical isekai jab. And then, of course, surprise, he was summoned by mistake. Because he was not one of the three summoned heroes, his stats are laughable compared to theirs, and there's something really sketchy about the kingdom, and so the hero is like, well, no, these people are just gonna try and use me. So he left to find his own way in the world, but there's only one skill he has that he can make use of, and that's his online supermarket skill, which allows him to buy modern goods in a fantasy world, 
It's useless for combat, but hey, if you play this card light, maybe you could read A Comfortable Life. That's what he thinks, but it turns out modern food bought with his skill has absurd effects. So what happens when Mukuda introduces ridiculously tasty modern cooking into a fantasy world like this? Well, he gets some ridiculous repeat customers begging for more. So this sounds like it could be a fun Isekai comedy about <laughs> ridiculous cooking or purchasing of food from another world to resell to unsuspecting fantasy creatures. So, we will see. But, that's not the only license we've got. We've got lots of other licenses, including one starting out from Udon. Even though they're taking so long on Rose of size, I guess they're still licensing other manga, like Stravaganza, the Queen in the Iron Mask by Akihito Tomi. First volume of that is going to ship on August 13th for about $20, and each Omnibus volume is going to have two volumes with the original Japanese release. And... The company has provided anime news network with cover images and preview pages from the Claria and Queen Vivian chapters, so you can head on over to ANN to check those out. But basically, the story is about a mysterious warrior who travels the kingdom of Aurora balancing monstrous creatures seeking adventure, but few know she's secretly Aurora's young and experienced masked monarch, Queen Vivian. And in a world where humans are not at the top of the food chain, the Queen and the Iron Mask must learn to use both her sword and her throne to protect her people from the dangers looming just beyond the city walls. So it's about a cool queen going around her kingdom and fighting monsters. That sounds like a lot of fun. And hopefully, Udon releases this on time! On Mark the Wolves in her size. <laughs> Another series about a cool lady kicking butt. So, who knows? Who knows? We will see. But, we also got a license from Thailand Comics, who is releasing Eldo Yushimizu's Ryuko manga as part of its Hard Case Crime Line. And this is the first Japanese title in that comics line. They're going to release the first of two volumes in the U.S. on July 9th and in the U.K. on July 11th. And this series is about a hard-hitting motorcycle-ranking member of the Japanese mafia stationed in the Middle East. And after a battle with the government, she becomes embroiled with the Chinese and an unknown terrorist organization. So everyone has their own agenda, but it's personal for Ryuko. When her mother is kidnapped and she is forced to kill her own father. So what's the right thing to do in this complicated situation? She's got a choice to make, but it's tough when good and evil to be, appear to be two sides of the same coin. This sounds really cool. Yeah, it sounds like a cool story about a female Yakuza member riding on her motorcycle in her level skin jumpsuit. Yeah, it sounds badass. It looks badass. This is another addition to Titan Comics' manga licenses of which they have the Sherlock manga, they got the Assassin's Creed manga, but this is the most interesting manga they've licensed to date, and I definitely want to check this out. So, looking forward to that, drop it in July. But we've also got a lot of Kodansha comics licenses to talk about, don't we, Colton? Yeah, we, we sure do. A lot of stuff from Kodansha. The first of which are going to be some um, some new digital first releases coming this month. Some of which have already been released by the time you're listening to this. It's also worth mentioning that all three of these new titles, after they debut, are going to come out with new volumes monthly until they're caught up with Japanese releases. So I think that's pretty neat. Our first title we have is Love Massage Melting Beauty from Toki Sunazuka, which at this point has already been released. As the synopsis reads, uh, Shiho's job is going fine, but she has no lover or friends to hang out with. 
In the middle of all this, she's been calling for her in-home massages as a means to fill the void. Uh, when one day she meets a handsome masseur named Toto, uh, with his delicate touch, he makes her body and mind melt. However, the very next day, he shows up at her company. Here's a saucy story of a single office worker and one handsome masseur who fall in love. So that sounds like a very, uh, very interesting love story. Uh, up next, we have Ron the Peerless Beauty from uh, Amitsu, uh, which at this point has already debuted as the uh, synopsis reads for this one. Ron is beautiful and stylish with leading scores in her class. No boy on earth would have the gall to try their hand with her, and no one would think she's so entirely innocent except for Akira. Join this innocent love story about, uh, about, uh, uh, Rin, the manga yeah. flower, and Akira, whose parents own a flower shop. I think that's a typo, because it's supposed to be Ron, not Rin, I think, uh, which is why that kind of well, threw me yeah. off. But anyway. But basically, it's about a girl who's being described like flower and a boy who actually owns a flower shop. Hmm, that sounds nice. I really like the cover for this one. Very soft work here. Like I, ju I just like looking at the colors for it. And last but not least here, we have Asahi Senpai's Favorite from Iroha Machino, which will be debuting on March 26th. High schooler Matsuri has an unexpected encounter with her brother's friend, Asahi Senpai, who, is, who also happens to be a popular boy at her school. And from then on, Asahi Senpai makes passes at her school or even at her own house. Uh, where Matsuri might be, there's no escaping him. Every day with the somewhat perverse Asahi Senpai is an unbelievably stimulating experience for Matsuri. She can't be helped but to be flustered. Uh, this is the long-awaited first volume of an intimate love story featuring a sweet and playful Senpai. So that sounds interesting, I guess. And so pretty much most of these anyway are out from Kodansha already. And afterwards, Kodansha has also revealed that they'll be uh, releasing two new manga in English this April. Uh, however, we don't have a synopsis. Well, I have found summaries on these on Kodansha Kodansha's website, so I'll go through them right Right now, Momo's Iron Will, which is coming out from Kodansha on April 2nd, has about the pure and upstanding Momo Inowashi, who loves her brothers to a fault. She created a castle to protect them and would absolutely die to defend it. But a guy called Kamaki Yugenji has found a crack in the wall. So can he throw these siblings' lives into chaos and expose their terrible secret that Momo is hiding from her brothers? Find out how this four-way romantic mess pans out, and the fact that it is described as a four-way romantic mess means that she loves her brothers romantically, which is a red flag to me. <laughs> but we will see. That is just a judgment call based on the description. But coming out on April 9th is My Clink is Overflowing. Which is about a waitress called Kimari who has terrible luck with men because she's always getting compared to other women and she's cast aside by the people who fall in love with her. Which sounds awful. She has awful friends and awful uh, romantic partners. But thanks to a weakness for men in white dress shirts, she can't help but be attracted to her handsome manager. But because she's sick of being heartbroken, she decides she's only going to date inexperienced men so she won't be compared to other women. And so she goes to a mixer and gets acquainted with someone she thinks could be the one, but it turns out he's only got one thing on his mind. Then she has an unexpected encounter with her manager on the street, and the two of them end up at a love hotel where she discovers... Dot, dot, dot. What does she discover? Who knows? But man, this protagonist sounds like she is in a raw place in life. The people around her are all terrible. <laughs> well, hopefully her love story works out. Because, yeesh. 
Again, new volumes monthly until caught up to Japan. So it's always nice to see. Um, I don't know. None of these titles really like stand out to me too much. I can't really say there's like one I'm like really itching to read personally. I don't know if you feel any differently. Love massage sounds like it'll give you the feels. Insert laugh track. <laughs> had to go for the easy joke huh okay of course <laughs> uh, but i agree with you none of these particularly sound appealing to me in terms of uh romance stories but i'm sure they're worth uh, checking out to judge for themselves but just based on the synopses none of them really strike out to me as something that oh yeah i really want to read this i'm really interested in this and some of them even have like red flags like uh <laughs> momo's iron Rail, which tells me mm, i don't want to read this or my pictures are flying where it's like wow sounds like the protagonist is being surrounded by a lot of awful people i don't know if i want to read that so mm. who knows who knows mm. i'll wait and see what uh what other people have to say about these uh before i check them out but anyway uh that's that's it for kadansha for now well not really because Kod- Dancha and Vertical have some more announcements. Yeah, I was I was gonna say uh, a Vertical in particular, which I mean, I, I guess they're they're owned by Kadansha at this point, right? Well, I mean, they're both owned by the same company. That's true, basically. So yeah, uh, they came up with a lot a lot of announcements uh, again recently. Uh, so we're gonna start with some Vertical stuff here, which basically uh, Vertical is the long and short of it. They're coming out with a, a lot of Nisio Isin stuff. And a lot of Monogatari stuff in particular. Uh, first of which, they will be releasing the Bake Monogatari manga adaptation with art from Oh Great, which will be debuting in October. So if you're a fan of Bake Monogatari, you should probably check this out. I hear good things about this adaptation of, I guess, the, of the novels in particular. I'm not a huge Monogatari person. Like, I've, I've checked out Bake Monogatari in the past, and I wasn't really sure how I felt about it. Like, I would give the Monogatari franchise another chance. It's something, like, that I have to be in the mood for. But I don't know. Maybe I'll like this manga adaptation a little more than I did the anime. I don't know. I know Wee Lord's a big fan of the novels and the anime, I think, so I'm sure he'll be checking out this manga, though it's drawn by Oh Great of Air Gear fame, so I think there's a little cause for concern about the art there, but we will have to see. See, I haven't read enough Air Gear to, like, have too many red flags set off for me. I need to read that at some point, just out of sheer curiosity. And then next up, Vertical will also be releasing uh, some new Seraph of the End stuff with the Seraph of the End Gurren Ichinose Resurrection at 19 novel by Takaya Kagami. That'll be coming out this December. And then we have uh, Hanging High School, which is, I guess, the third novel in the Zarengoto series, also from Nisi Oisin, which will be coming out this September. Vertical also pretty much announced that uh, they will be releasing Vofan's Carlifle Dreams art book in October. If you don't know who Vofan is, they're basically the ones who designed the uh, the Monogatari series' uh, artwork for the novels in particular. We've talked about them on the show before. And both releases will have new cover art from Vofan as well. And it looks like Vertical will also be releasing Arata Kano's Voices of a Distant Star, Words of Love, 
in July as well. So that's it for vertical stuff in particular. Kodansha, again, is in particular, is coming out with more stuff, starting with uh, Cells at Work Code Black. We have talked about numerous Cells at Work spinoffs on the show before, but I believe this is the first one to get an English release. I'm not sure. I feel like it is. I could be wrong about that, though. Essentially, this one is... Because I think the whole thing with Cells at Work is that, like, you know, that takes place in a in a much healthier, normal... A, nor- a normally healthier body, whereas this one takes place in a, a much less healthier body. Yeah, it's like Osmosis Jones the movie instead of Osmosis Jones the show. You know, as much as I think that comparison is overplayed, that one still makes a lot of sense because there definitely is a difference between the movie and the show. So, you know, if you're already a fan of Cells at Work, definitely go check that out. That'll be debuting this summer from Kanancha, as well as the Grand Blue Fantasy manga, uh, which I know... Grand Blue Fantasy is basically just a huge franchise in and of itself. I believe it's a mobile game, isn't it? I think so. I know a lot of people who who play the mobile game in particular and really enjoy it. Basically, if you're a fan of the franchise, you'll want to check out the manga. That'll be coming out this fall. But then we have, I believe this is a new Yuri title called If I Could Reach You from T-M-N-R. I don't know how to pronounce that. Timner. Timner. I'm going to go with that. And so as the synopsis reads, uh, Hopelessly in love, high schooler Uta must navigate living with her brother and Kaoru and her crush, her sister-in-law. Desperate to get over her unrequited feelings, Uta pulls away. But when the cracks in her brother's marriage begin the show, Kaoru begins to confide in her new teenage sister, which just makes matters worse. Uh, so that'll be coming out this fall. I mean, I don't want to make any judgment calls just based on the synopsis, but this sounds sort of similar to Citrus. But I don't know if it'll be as trashy not or not. Not really, because in Citrus is about stepsisters, and this is about a, a girl in her relationship with her sister-in-law. That's true. So it raises a red flag when they refer to it that Karu begins to confide in her new teenage sister. So hold on. It's an adult with a relationship with a teenager. Red flag. Inappropriate relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it'll find its audience, though. And then uh, next up, we have uh, Fairy Tale 100 Years Quest, which is essentially just, it's the official sequel to Fairy Tale from Hiromashima and Atsubo Ueda, which will be debuting this fall. So if you cannot get enough Fairy Tale, you have that to look forward to. And uh, speaking of Fairy Tale, it seems that Kodansha will be releasing new Fairy Tale manga box sets with the first box set slated for a release this fall. If I remember correctly, because I remember seeing Kodansha's tweets about these releases, I think the first box set has 11 volumes. I could be remembering that wrong. That would make sense. I think that would get to the end of Tower of Heaven, I think. Hmm. I wonder if that's going to be like, I guess, the standard amount per box set, or basically if each box set is going to depend on like what their cutoff point is, because I think Fairy Tales like 40, 50 volumes long, at its end? I don't remember how many. Uh, it's 63 volumes long. But, mm. yeah, I'm sure that'll be around 10 to 12 volumes, depending on, like, what's a good stopping point for the art. I hope it's actually 12 volumes instead of 11, because the 12th volume is the end of the Tower of Heaven art. So mm, Interesting. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see how they decide to handle that. Hmm. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, how many box sets they cut out in particular, because a part of me wonders if, like, six is too many, or if maybe they should, like, truncate that. I mean, then this is all speculation. Like, we don't know how many box sets are going to come out. But, I mean, I'm speculating, but, like, I'm sure they'll sell no matter what, because people love Fairy Tale. Yeah. Kanancha also announced that uh, they will be releasing Drifting Dragons in print, because as previously was only available digitally through digital volumes and, I believe, on Crunchyroll. So, that's exciting to see to see one of their digitals come to print that'll be coming out uh, this holiday season and also i'm sure people will be interested in that they are also releasing a 25th anniversary hardcover box set of clamps magic knight ray earth uh, also this holiday season so i'm sure a lot of people are going to be looking forward to that too yep uh, so a lot of good stuff from Kadantra teams mm-hmm. and vertical all right but so sort of moving on with some Kadantra stuff yeah bookwalker is offering simulpubs from Kadantra now you can buy your simulpubs with several Kadantra titles off bookwalker now titles including a pause mid levels line domestic girlfriend drifting dragons eden zero grand blue dreaming you your eternity and wave listen to me so if you prefer to read your manga off Bookwalker, you now have access to some cool Kadentra Comics albums as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice to see that happening there. But I think that's it for all of the Kadentra stuff. And now we're going to move on to some Seven Seas stuff, which uh, I wouldn't consider this a tidal wave. I would, I would just say this is a wave. It's a splash. No, mm, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I guess it, I guess it's a, it, it's a it's it's a bigger splash. It's a cannonball. It's 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 something smaller than a wave, but I would say a little bigger than like just a just a splash, you know. <laughs> but that's neither here nor yeah. there. So one of the first things they licensed was Mari Tayo's Gal Gohan, which uh, Seven Seas will be releasing the first volume of that physically and digitally on December tenth. And uh, as the synopsis reads, Okazaki Miku is a gal, or a fun-loving high school student who expresses herself through bleached hair, sexy clothes, and heaps of accessories. Unfortunately, she's also flunking every class, and when she asks her home ec teacher, Yabe Shinji, to help her bake bribery cookies for her disappointed teachers, she finds a new excitement in that small success, and Shinji is moved by her enthusiasm. Shinji decides to start a cooking club to better connect with the students, and Miku is first in line to join. This sounds really cute. I would check this out. Yeah, it sounds like a fun cooking manga with a gal protagonist. Mm-hmm. I like her character design. Yeah, it looks pretty fun. So definitely go check that out. I think it'll be good, just from the synopsis alone, but we will see. Seven Seas also released a sequel to uh, Nozobu T- Tamaki's Dance in the Vampire Bun called Dance in the Vampire Bun ASO. Apparently, this series is a sequel to, uh, like I said, Dance in the Vampire Bun and is a continuation of the story from Dance in the Vampire Bun 2 Scarlet Order. So uh, ba- basically, if you're already into uh, Vampire Bund, uh, you'll want to check this out. The first volume of that will be coming out, again, both physically and digitally on October 8th, and Seven Seas apparently announced that they will be releasing the original Dance in the Vampire Bund manga digitally in 2019. So that's kind of cool. And then, uh, Lum, do you want to talk about the last thing that Seven Seas released? Because I know you're particularly excited for this one. Yeah, Seven Seas has picked up the license to Road Green, Eternal Road Trip to Love, which is a Yuri graphic novel by Mira Ongchua, who is a storyboard artist on OKKO. You'll know her her as the storyboarder for several great episodes like TKO Plus Olympics. And if you want to 
get a close approximation to like the tone content of Road Queen, she also did the, many of the Red Action episodes. And so if you think of the relationship between Enid and Red Action, that's a lot like the central relationship in Road Queen, which is about Leo, who is the hottest senior at Princess Andromeda Academy. She's a cool biker chick, and she's a lot of adoring fangirls who all have one goal, to beat her in a road race so she'll go after them. But the only thing Leo loves more to breaking hearts is her faithful old bike, Bethany. But then a new student called Viga upends her daily routine forever. So it's a pretty awesome lesbian rom-com. It's gonna be a lot of fun for all the readers. I support the Kickstarter that she did back last fall. I've already got a copy of the book in my hand. It's a lot of fun. Really happy that it was picked up by Seven Seas for a wider release to get it out in more stores. Uh, I think that's going to be really awesome because it's a really great book. So, yeah, I definitely would recommend anyone pick this up when it comes out on October 8th. And, yeah, uh, it's a really good book. I'm looking forward to seeing Seven Seas Addiction because it's going to be printed uh, in a large trim size of 24 color pages and an all-new cover. So looking forward to seeing all that stuff. Mm. As someone who also really loves OKKO uh, and a lot of the work that uh, everybody on that show puts into that show in particular, I I definitely want to check this out. Yeah, and you can check out a lot of Mira Ongchua's great art on OKKO, her storyboards, animatics, on her Twitter and her Tumblr. Mm. They're a lot of fun to follow, and she posts some amazing stuff there. Mm -hmm. But I think that's it for uh, Seven Seas. So let's move on to some Viz stuff, starting with uh, Sublime. That's right. Sublime has licensed Seven Days, a new boys' love title by Venio Tachibara and Rito Takarai. And they've also licensed uh, Seven Days Friday to Sunday manga, which is the sequel to Seven Days Monday to Thursday. And so the imprint's going to release both manga in one volume and printed this December. The story is about Yuzuru, a disillusioned senior who asked the school's most infamous student, Toji, out as a half-hearted joke. Because the rumor is that Toji will earnestly date the first person to act on at the beginning of the week. Toji takes this seriously, and Yuzuru goes along with it, expecting to be like the rest. The release should be gone on a Monday, and abruptly ended the following Sunday. But he doesn't expect that he actually starts to bud some romantic feelings. So this looks to be like a short, cute, boys love title that you can pick up this December. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, we're going to move on to the rest of uh, the stuff that uh, Viz announced. Viz announced a new shoujo title of all things, from Maki and Joji, who was apparently also the author of such titles as Happy Marriage and SP Baby, which it seems both of those were released by Viz back in the day. And uh, we have a new title from that author called An Incurable Case of Love, in which uh, the synopsis reads, After witnessing a handsome and charming young doctor saving a stranger's life five years ago, Nanase Sakura trained to become a nurse, but when she meets the doctor again and they start working together, she finds Kairi Tendo to be nothing like the man she imagined him to be. So yeah, uh, the first volume of this will be coming out in October, and uh, it seems the, the series has already ended back this past January, and is only about seven volumes long so yeah if you're looking for short shoujo manga this might be the place to go this sounds like it could be a sort of interesting probably an interesting sort of like light drama i think possibly i don't know i would check it out personally yeah it sounds like a cute time but there's even more cute stuff coming 
Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're going to move on to the rest of business announcements here, starting with Makoto Hagino's A Tropical Fish Yearns for Snow, in which the synopsis reads, Kanatsu is a fish out of water at her new school, but can Koyuki, the president of the Aquarium Club, uh, help her come out of her shell? So another yuri title from viz uh sort of with yeah i know a lot of yuri aficionados on twitter have been really excited for this it looks like to be a very cute fluffy yuri title that a lot of people are excited for so i'm definitely keen to check it out Mm -hmm. apparently it's going to be coming out this fall but uh viz announced a few other like really cool things so so first off uh they announced that the print release of jujutsu kaisen uh will be coming out this winter um, so it, it's nice to see that we're finally getting some confirmation on, uh, some of the new, some of the new Viz Shonen Jump simul pubs. Hopefully we'll maybe get a confirmation on, uh, stuff like Act Age, hopefully sooner than later. Hopefully. But, I mean, if, if I remember correctly from listening to the Shonen Jump podcast, uh, I think they had mentioned that, I think they either, like, mentioned or at least implied that basically the backlog of stuff like Jujutsu Kaisen and, uh, and Act Age won't be up until, like, the volume releases for those are out. So, uh... So all the more reason for them to hurry up with <laughs> Act Age. I want to read The Gap. Act Age is so good. I want <laughs> to read all the stuff that Wee Lord has been telling me about that I refuse to read because I don't want to read the Scanlation. So give me the official release, Fizz! Give me Act Age! Uh, I, I want Act Age just as badly, but I'm... Honestly, the more I see people talk about it, the more I actually want to read uh, Jujutsu. Uh, I I cannot say Jujutsu Kaisen. Jujutsu the... Kaisen. Yeah, I... and as you yeah. should, because Jujutsu Kaisen is very good. I'm enjoying it a lot. I also want to read the gap for that series because uh, there's a bunch of crazy things I'm sure that's happened between what's available and what's happening recently that I want to read, like the introduction of Panda. Where did he come from? I want to find out. So uh, it's going to be a long wait till December and beyond to have uh, that gap being closed and finally see the origins of Panda. Yep, which means uh, I'm going to be waiting longer on reading either of them, which I, I know I know is going to upset you because I know you can just kind of jump into series, but like my brain will not let me so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna i'm just gonna sit here in like waiting hell for both uh kaisen and act age but i mean you know it, it, it'll it be worth it when they're finally out there and people are able to you know able to read them Indeed. but anyway so something else that uh viz also announced is that they are going to be releasing a new hardcover deluxe edition of kazuo umezu's drifting classroom called the drifting classroom the perfect edition which again will be a deluxe hardcover edition that will feature new translations and that'll be releasing this fall which i hear a lot of good things about obviously umezu's work and this series in particular because uh correct me if i'm wrong the drifting classroom in particular i think the previous editions of those are out of print at this point or at least they're kind of hard to find most likely i believe it's available digitally but print editions i'm sure are difficult to find these days mm. i'm interested in uh how the translation will differ f- from their original release i might just pick up this new edition Honestly, I'm all about touching up older translations. So, I mean, it, uh, wh- whether you're already a fan of The Drifting Classroom, if you've never read it, now you have a chance to buy a new edition. So, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And sort of the last thing that Viz touched on was that they have announced that they're going to be uh, collaborating with manga-inspired creators to develop a new original English language imprint 
called Viz Originals, and that uh, the new imprint will be debuting this 2020. And uh, uh, they've also uh, submitted uh, guidelines for artists interested in submitting their work. Which is basically anything. Uh, they are just looking for cool manga in any genres that appeal to both young adult and adult audiences with a cool black and white art for And submission portals haven't opened yet. They're going to be launched towards the end of the year in terms of online submissions. There'll be portfolio reviews at various events around the country during this year. So look out for those at cons and stuff. But... Yeah, this sounds really cool that Viz is getting into the business of like publishing some original titles under their imprints. And I think that's really cool because there's a lot of great artists out there who are very manga inspired and making manga inspired work. And I think that it's great to have like a new imprint for Viz to like help promote a bunch of creators who, you know, a lot oftentimes in the industry, they're discouraged from drawing manga inspired stories or drawing comics as manga but now this imprint will give them to freedom to uh embrace that mm-hmm. i think that's really awesome oh yeah like i'm actually really excited for like what comes out of this so i'll definitely be keeping an eye out for this mm-hmm. and for all you hopefuls uh, who want to submit to the imprint uh, keep an eye and ear open for when they'll be doing their portfolio review events and for the online submission portal to be open towards the end of the year Mm-hmm. I'm sure we will talk about that once it is open and we'll let our listeners know in case maybe they're interested. Yep, and don't procrastinate. Start drawing now. But I think that's pretty much it for this stuff and for licensing news. Yep, and now we got to talk about some copyright stuff. we got to address the story that we've been talking about in the past couple of weeks about the Japan's Agency of Cultural Affairs plan to expand the scope of copyright law, which would include downloading anime images, illustrations, photographs, illegally posted for personal box Twitter accounts, which, as we discussed before, is stepping over bounds in cotretin fair use. And so the Japanese Cartoonists Association released a formal statement recently in response to these laws that stated, we ask that due deliberation will be taken to ensure the expansion of copyright law to not impede civil rights such as research and freedom of expression and the association understood that the law is going to be targeting illegal sites but certain improvements need to be made offering three suggestions to the lawmakers law should address repeat offenders too the law should address illegal uploading sharing a manga with no alterations to content and three the law should only target cases where the rights holders profits are negatively affected so these three provisions would protect fair use, would protect transformative content, use content to express oneself on Twitter, all that, all that kind of stuff. Because, so, in response to this, lawmakers have put this copyright bill on hold over these concerns of internet atrophy. So, we have been spared for this for now. Hmm. And so those have been removed because, like, their statement, the Liberal Democratic Party statement, is that if these laws are passed, that it would lead to internet atrophy as users would find less need for the internet, which I don't think is, is the root of the problem. But regardless, they have removed the policy and... The bill is still going to be discussed further at the Diet's Ministry of Culture, Sports, Science, and Technology's next meeting with the intention of ratifying it during the current Diet session. So it's not like it's going away for good. So, like, there's still need to lobby and need to make sure that these lawmakers understand that you can't 
publish this law as it is written because it will still impede the rights of people to express themselves and stuff. But we will see. The story is not over yet. It has been halted for now, but the battle continues on. We will see where this law is going forward. Going forward. Mm -hmm. But on the subject of copyright, another interesting story is that this media's copyrights alone account for 5% of Google's URL takedown requests. Viz currently ranks at number 4 in terms of URL takedown requests sent to Google, trailing only behind the British, Mexican, and Brazilian record music industries. Mm. Because the company and third parties like Remove Your Media have submitted over 205 million URL requests on behalf of Viz Media and Viz Europe, which is, again, 5% of the total. And so... What these uh, URL takedown requests is are like takedowns of any URL that directs the content that violates the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. So scamlations, uh, illegal uploads of shows and stuff, like anything that falls under that is something that, you know, companies can submit these takedown requests to have these links taken down so they don't show up on search queries and stuff. So we know that, you know, scamlations and Illegal posting of anime is a rampant problem, and it's pretty insane that, like, there are, like, 205 million links that Viz has, like, submitted to get taken down. And, like, you can also see that Viz is not alone, because while they're on the largest scale, you know, all anime mongolian companies have submitted takedown requests for URLs that uh, direct to places that host scan later to part of the content, like Toei has 41 million requests, Foundation has 33 million requests, Aniplex has 4 million requests, like so many of these companies have a lot of requests to have these links taken down because they're like violating their uh, protected content and stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no easier way to determine how many of these requests are directly related to the anime and manga because a lot of the publishers don't exclusively like publish anime manga material necessarily. But regardless, you know, it still goes to show that, you know, piracy is a huge problem. Like there's a lot of elite content illegally spread about the internet. So it's understandable why the Jap Japanese lawmakers have considered such a a hard line stance on sharing and reposting copyrighted content. But again, you know, there's definitely a distinction to be made between like sharing a complete scanlated chapter of a series and or just sharing like an image to like make a funny meme and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's something that hopefully Japanese lawmakers will realize and adapt their bill to take account for. But again, there is a need for stricter copyright laws in order to prevent the sh spread and sharing of copyrighted content. But we'll have to talk about more of that story as it develops in the coming weeks and months. But for now, that's it for the news, and we can jump right in to our latest Shonen Jump Signable discussions, starting with The Last Sayuki! by Daijiro Nonue. Translation and lettering by Pinky-chan for Viz Media. Yeah, so can you try and summarize this for me? Because I have to be honest, I'm not sure how to describe this series in, like, as simply as possible. Because, like, a lot happens, and I feel, like I'm, I feel like I don't fully understand a lot of what's going on. At least not in the second chapter. 
Well, a boy gets a new sister, basically adopt sister called Koharu, who's like a year younger than him, but she's blind, she doesn't have any use of her arms and legs, and he's taken out of school to become, like, basically her sole protector, like, he has to take care of her, so it ruins his dreams of becoming a baseball star, it separates him from his friends because he can't go to school, he just has to hang around Koharu Day, he can't really do much with her because she's very fragile, he really grows to resent her, and that causes a rift between them. One day he leaves Kohara alone and goes back to his school and spends the afternoon playing baseball, which, of course, uh, means he wasn't around and Kohara gets hurt, collapsing the heat stroke. That punishes him, gets thrown into a warehouse where, you know, he gets super paranoid and creeped out, and then he imagines, like, this monster creature, but then once he's eventually let out by Kohara, and he realizes that she's in such pain, and she's like, she's all alone, and she's like, you know, he feels really guilty, really bad. They have an emotional moment. He bonds and decides to do better to protect her, you know. Because she can't see, he says, you know, I'll be your light, I'll protect you. But then he realizes when he, you know, is alone in the dark again, that he manages the monster creature, and the monster creature actually shows up. After he, like, sees Koharu, like, in this, like, kind of magical trance state, he's, like, floating, glowing, all that. And then that's when it is revealed that Koharu is actually some sort of like godly creature. She's like close to a divine being. She can materialize people's fears in real life. So she has an intense, intense amount of power. And so basically Koharu, because she's so dangerous, like she needs to believe that humans are worth protecting because otherwise she might, you know, go crazy and her, and things might go on out of control because her, if her abilities is evil at hand, you know, the world's gonna be overrun with monsters, humanity's coming to end. So, the whole point that, uh, his dad wanted was to, like, he brought Koharu to, like, the home so that she and Ryunosuke, you know, could grow to love each other, and if she has a human attachment, if she has someone she loves, he won't go crazy and destroy the world with her monsters and stuff. And then, basically, Ryunosuke decides to, like, embrace this responsibility, you know, he's upset about it because his dad is kinda shitty, forcing, like, an elementary schooler to kinda take on the responsibility, but, you know, he says, you know, I will, if you believe in me, Koharu, uh, I will protect you, and so that gives him kind of, like, some super strength, right, the power of belief, like, that also imbues him with power to, like, fight back against the monsters, and that's basically the premise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still kind of collecting my thoughts on, on the series so far, but I think it's really interesting so far, at least. The art is fantastic, and the content, subject matter, is incredibly dark and emotionally powerful. Like, that first chapter in particular, just reading this story about the relationship between this kid, who, you understand why he's resents Koharu. Like, this is also why baseball is so important to him, because that's a memory tied to his late mother, who has passed away, and so, not only is it something that he enjoys, but, like, it's something that draws him closer to a mother. But, of course, you know, he can't really do much with Koharu. He thinks this Koharu is blind. He can't like, games with her. He can't have much interaction with her. So you understand why he has this resentment for her. But also, you understand, like, Koharu's position and, like, how terrified, lonely she is. So, it's like a huge emotional moment when they, he realizes, like, how sad and scared she is and, like, he apologizes to her and decides to protect her. So there's a good emotional core there. And it's also, like, really interesting idea of, like, basically the monsters in the series are fears personified given shape in life. So I think that's an interesting angle. It's literally 
the core of the series is them fighting their fears. So I think mm-hmm. that's a good angle for a story in terms of metaphor, allegory for like uncertainty in the world, darkness in the world, you know, fighting against that as it, as children grow up into adulthood. And of course, there's this huge big hook at the beginning of the first chapter that shows, you know, at some point things do go to shit because, you know, Koharu is like in this mash, he's giving like this live stream on the internet. God. And you have this image of a monster like showing up over the city so you know that something in the future is gonna go wrong and so there's always that that tinge of uncertainty that tinge of dread that's gonna be hanging over the series that you gonna be something that you want to see where is this is gonna go how is that gonna happen mm-hmm. so i think you know compelling characters great concept uh great hook so i think this is a really strong debut I think uh, the art is really fantastic again, and the tone of it definitely feels very unique for a jump title. I know a lot of people are like, huh, this feels like more of a Sunday kind of title. Yeah, that's what I thought too, actually. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, I mean, I I know a lot of people kind of throw that around like, oh, this is so unlike Jump with a lot of different series. But, like, I legitimately struggle to think of, like, anything in Jump that, at least I've read, that, like, even, like, resembles this particular series. Like, I think the thing that really stood out to me the most is, like, it does deal with a lot of really, like, sort of dark emotions and whatnot and although it is super extreme i just find it interesting that this manga sort of tackles like it tackles those emotions that come with you know you being a young kid and having to live with or uh having to accommodate for someone around your age group who is you know severely disabled in one way or another i just found it interesting that the series kind of deals with those emotions in a very Again, the situation itself is very extreme as, you know, like we said, like the MC's father basically takes him out of school just to take care of Koharu. And that itself is sort of extreme and is a really shitty thing to put on a, a third grader. But at the same time, I feel like it deals with those sort of specific emotions very realistically and very well. Because it's like, obviously, as a kid, like, of course, you're going to feel that way. Like, honestly, I, I think it's even sort of commendable that, like, you know, that even as a kid, like, he realizes that he's able to see that, oh, well, you know, she has it rough, too. Like, I think it's kind of neat that, you know, it's not just like, oh, well, I hate you or whatever because you're different from me or whatever. That he's able to kind of feel for her and her situation, too, which I think is also really super important for depicting this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So definitely got to give the series props for that so far. But yeah, this is a lot more interesting than like, I didn't really have any expectations for this going in. Uh, so I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised by it so far. And I think I'm probably going to keep up with this at least for a little bit. Cause it's got me hooked. Yeah. I think it's a very strong, very promising. And I hope, that it gets to explore its ideas to the fullest of the potential because I think it's got a really great central concept and emotional core down. Mm-hmm. I appreciate how basically all of the first chapter kind of explores that emotional core, and then we basically save the explanation of Kaharu's powers for like most of the second chapter. Mm-hmm. And again, also another series where they don't just pack most of the story, you know, in one chapter just to you know hook the reader like. It's kind of sort of taking its time to tell its first story, like, past the first chapter, which is not something you see a lot of Jump series do. Mm-hmm. Yes, I definitely appreciated the pacing and uh, how 
it delivered its story in the first chapter, saving the supernatural elements towards the end. Mm-hmm. It makes me think that, like, I almost think we probably should have waited until the third chapter came out, because I'm sure, like, that's when this story is probably going to have its conclusion in particular. But, you know, for now, I I think it's safe to say that so far, just based on the first two chapters alone, I, I think we could recommend people check this out. I definitely agree. And now let's talk about Yui Kamino Let's Loose, which is the newest manga by Hiroshi Shibaishi of Nura Rise of the Yokai Can fame. Translation is being done by Daniel Coleman, and lettering will be being done by Michelle Armstrong. So this series is about a girl called Yui Kamino, who is a very violent, unruly girl, kind of described as like she has some sort of demonic curse on her. So a bunch of Buddhist monks when she was a kid like tied her hair up and did some sort of chant and incantation to seal away her power. And that has turned her in her white-haired form with chain on like she's super nice and kind and elegant and stuff. But when she gets the chain off, she becomes the unruly Yui again. And her hair turns black and she becomes super violent and badass and cool and stuff. And basically, she goes to, like, this new high school. She meets this guy called Kido, who is really hot, apparently, and an older girl's uh, fangirl over her and stuff. But he's also really petty and stuff, so he's like, he wants to have revenge. After, like, Black Hair Yui makes, like, a fool of him and beats him up and stuff. But apparently, he also wants to become, like, a vet because he couldn't take care of his goldfish as a kid. A bunch of them died, so that made him very interested in studying to become a vet. Basically, he finds out Yui's secret when a bunch of thugs from Yui's old school come to, like, beat her up. But then, you know, Shane comes off, she beats him up, and now his life is embroiled in hers and all the shenanigans that will befall her as she goes on crazy uh, mishaps, basically, as black-haired Yui. This feels like something out of the 90s. I feel like this is something we, we would have seen, like, 20 years ago. Like, just, I guess when it comes, like, to the art, and, like, I guess it's sense of humor as well. I don't know. It, it just, it's, something about it just feels really retro to me. Shibashi definitely has that kind of style to their uh, artwork where it's, like, definitely kind of rough and old schoolish. Mm-hmm. It also sort of reminds me, before you say anything, hear me out. At least, like, one element in particular, like, like the whole thing with Yui Kamio, like, you know, her changing from her sweet, innocent side to, like, her dark unruly side like that element sort of reminded me of like rosario and vampire in a way where it's like oh this girl has uh, has a charm that keeps her dark hidden powers away and whatnot mm-hmm. so i thought that kind of reminded me of that series in particular i don't really have a lot to say about this first chapter in particular other than you know i'm I'm willing to read a few more chapters of this to see maybe where it goes but I just thought it was fine. I don't have any strong feelings about it either way. I like Shibashi's art, at least. Like, I've always thought his style was interesting. Yeah, I think Shibashi's art is pretty good. Or his character designs are pretty good. I was not too enthused by this first chapter, mainly because I don't like a lot of supporting cast. I don't like Kito. He's like a jerk, and he's not very funny. I like Yui Kamino. I like her best friend that has known her since she was a kid and stuff. I wish that her best friend now, she was the perspective character. We didn't have to have Kito. But she's fine enough, I think, for the perspective character. Like, this dude who is, like, this rich asshole who is, I guess he's a soft side because he wants to be a vet and stuff. But he's 
I don't really care about him. Like, there is this moment where he tries to stand up for Yui and stuff, but, you know, whatever. Uh, like, the real appeal is, like, seeing Yui beat up people, and I just want more of that. <laughs> so hopefully, if that's what it focuses on more going forward, and if he has to stay around, he's just a tag along, he doesn't overtake things too much, because I'm not too interested in the and him, but Yui Kamino, yeah, she's pretty cool. I'd like to see her beat up more, like, uh, gang people and get into crazy uh, brawls and stuff like that. So, sure. Mm. But, yeah, I didn't think that was particularly strong for the chapter. Because too much attention was on supporting characters who I didn't care about. But any time it was, like, just Yui beating up people, that was fine. That was uh, pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. I did like the part where, like, yeah, the some gang that uh, Yui beat up when they were like in elementary school or whatever, you know, comes after her and it's and it's presented as like, oh, they're after we're supposed to assume like, oh, maybe they're after Kito or something because obviously he's a rich asshole. Why not? Like, of course you would think that, but then it's like we're actually after Kamiyo. I kind of like how sort of I kind of like how it kind of turns itself around to where it's like, oh, I totally understand why these why this guy is coming to beat up Kamio. Like, of course, she's the one who, like, escalated the situation by beating this guy up. Like, I just kind of like that misdirection where it's like, okay, like, not that I, like, feel, like, really, really sorry for him or something, but it's like, I understand why he's coming to beat her up. I just thought that was kind of funny. Well, I thought it was funny that he was so full of himself that he said, oh, these guys are clearly here for me. And he's, like, talking himself and talking himself up, but they're, like, totally ignoring him. And when he's, like, trying to diss him, hey, don't you ignore him? It's like, what? Who the hell are you? Get out of my face. Like, he was totally did not care about Kito at all. Just, yeah. Kito was just talking to himself, like, being so for himself. But they were totally not. I thought that was funny. And yeah. I also thought it was kind of amusing that, like, the gang leader guy is, like, kind of a masochist who, like, likes getting beat up by Yui <laughs> and stuff. So. I guess really other than that, like, because this series was sort of advertised as, like, a new comedy and... I don't know. Besides that moment, the first chapter, at least, I didn't think was, like, all that funny? More so just amusing. I'm hoping the comedy has uh, has more opportunity to kind of, like, stretch its legs a little bit as the series goes on. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I wasn't really, like, laughing all that much, you know, while reading the first chapter. I mostly read it pretty quietly. <laughs> but that's just me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think that we both would highly recommend Last Sayuki. Mm-hmm. Yui Kamino, I don't think we're going to give much of a recommendation, but I think it has promise. We'll see where it goes. Yui Kamio is the kind of series that I would rather let build up than read week to week, maybe, just to kind of see, like, whether it has legs. Because uh, I can't tell if, like, this will really last just yet or not. Well, as it is now, it seems that it'll be, like, kind of episodic for a while, which makes it more uh, enjoyable as a weekly read. At least it would be for me, but I, we'll have to see. We've only read the first chapter at this point. Who knows, like, how the story will progress going forward. Yeah, as it stands, like, I'm definitely more confident that Last Sayuki will hopefully last a little longer, at least. Like, I, I don't want Last Sayuki to get canceled too quickly. I, like, I actually really want to see where that goes, in particular. Yep, it's a harsh world out there for new Jump series, but hopefully it'll manage to stick around. Yeah, hopefully. And that does it for our simulhood discussion. So let's wrap up with something we haven't done in a while, and that's discuss listener emails. We've actually got quite a few listener emails in the past month that we haven't been reading on the show, so I think we would just shot them out right here. We got one from Wednesday Dale Cheddar after our 
podcast on Oikir Sai Exhibition we did with Aiden. And Wednesday Day I wrote that he had great memories from the Urasawa podcast we did. Because 20th Century Boys was a very formative experience for him as a reader. Uh, it was the first manga that he read since joining Chris's ODR forum. And Aiden talked in the most engaging way about his experience. And when he got to Kenji's song, I could almost feel as uh, if I were there with him. And if we were to actually podcast about it, if we haven't already, uh, he'd be very excited for it. And he wants to find time to read another series. And Wednesday Dad, we will definitely have you for the 20th Century Boys episode. I love talking to you, and I think it'll be great to have you on for that discussion. So hopefully we'll do that later this year. It might be early to call, but so far, that episode we did about the exhibition with Aiden might be one of my favorite episodes that we've done this year so far. But like I said, we still have a lot of the year left, so maybe that'll change. But like, it's still probably one of my favorite podcasts I've really like done as far as like Manga Mavericks goes, because it's like, I feel the same way that, that Wensleydale does, because it's like, you know, I, I've listened to that episode like, once or twice since uh since we released it and it's just like every time i do it's like i don't know how we did it but aiden just makes it feel like wow like i was there like <laughs> he just has a way about him i guess but basically i'm saying that i i agree with wensleydale and i totally feel the same way and i love listening to that episode that's great that the year is young but that was a early highlight for sure and hopefully our 20th Century Boys episode, which we will no doubt do with Aiden and Wesley there later this year, will also be an incredible experience. Oh, yeah. But we also have another email here from uh, Lace Loggett, who wrote that they were lucky enough to attend the 50 Years of Shonen Jump exhibition in Japan. And they bought three books that did a good job of detailing Jump's history at the event. And after they were finished reading the books, they were thirsty for more information, as the books only gave a brief overview of some of the more well-known series. And so they did some more research into the less-known series that made up the pages of Jump throughout the past 50 years. And they bought many old weekly Jump magazines and had begun to build a bit of a database for themselves. And so they wanted to share with us some of their findings. Uh, apparently... There are 104 Shonen Jump series that have never been collected in volume. Wow. It was only after 1984 that everything got printed with the intention of getting a volume released, even if only for a single volume. And one of these series, known as Manga Drifters, managed to go for 265 chapters without a release outside the magazine, probably due to licensing issues or the fact that the material wouldn't work in a volume release. Because the series was about a real-life meeting group. But that's crazy that such a long series was never collected in graphic novels. Wow. And so it is amazing to see that so many long-running series did eventually get uh, released in the West. But the list excludes many great and popular gag series from Japan. And they also included a list of the top 100 series going by volume count. Which will definitely be an interesting resource for us in future Shonen Jump-related podcasts. They wrapped up by saying they're happy to provide some more facts and information to us in the future. And they are going to sift through more of their findings to unearth some more interesting nuggets. And they want to have a better understanding of how the magazine has changed over the years and get a deeper understanding of the series that time has forgotten. Because, you know, it's surprising how little online exists. And thank you so much, Saga, for sharing this information with us. It's pretty crazy that uh, it was only until after 1984 that series were regularly printed in Bankobons, and there are such long series like Manga Drifters that have never been collected into volumes from the early years of Jump. And uh, we definitely would love if you could share with us some more of the uh, information you dig up on Shonen Jump uh, as you continue your research. 
And uh, well, he won't go through the entire top top 100, but I do think it is interesting uh, to maybe mention some of the you know highest top 100 series by Well and Scott. Obviously, at number one is Kochikame, which by far has the most volumes, the 200 volumes. Number two is JoJo's, which only has 123 volumes. So that gives you a sense of the sheer gap uh, between JoJo's and Kochikame there. Like, not even One Piece, it comes in at number three at 92 volumes. I think, well, ever surpass Kochikame. <laughs> but Gintama is actually number four here at 77. And then uh, that this is where the gap starts to kind of decrease between series, because Bleach is here at number uh, five with 74, number six... Naruto is with 72, Kanikaman 66, Toriko uh, 43, and Dragon Ball 42. And from there, that seems to be, you know, series are uh, a lot shorter or around that length, but very few series really uh, are above 42 volumes. There's a lot of series around that many volumes, but very few. But mm-hmm. the series that do uh, have run for quite a long time. Mm. I was going to say, I've always kind of considered like a healthy length for most long-running shonen manga to be like 30 35 volumes like i think that's a that's a pretty like i feel like that's a, for for something long-running i think that's again a pretty like standard healthy length there most of these series in the top 100 are in their 20s when they stop which i i think that is a pretty healthy number that's like about four or five years worth of serialization i guess that's true but uh, no, yeah, that, that was that was definitely some interesting statistics there. I, I guess uh, I can't even imagine all the manga, all the really like short-lived series that ran and jump like way, way early on in its run that like will just that will never see ever. Like that kind of blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And that does it for listener emails. And very briefly, I want to do some community shoutouts. And there are two people that I want to shout out this week. First is Ash King Cocoa Butter, and I also want to shout out Black Manga Credit. For the same reason is that both of these guys do a great job every week on Twitter. Find a good fight of like educating people about some content in manga that needs to be critically examined and challenged and critiqued, especially in One Piece and the depiction of women in One Piece and how Oda writes them and some of the sexist ideas in One Piece. These guys do a great job of getting the word out there, explaining why this is a problem, why this needs to be talked about and examined critically. The Black Monk Credit did a great live stream, which is like five hours long, a great panel with people uh, about women in One Piece, which is a great conversation. Highly recommend you guys check that out. And both of these guys do great work in their videos on YouTube and on Twitter. And, you know, they've gotten a lot of awful comments, awful flack that I've seen thrown their way in the last week that has just infuriated me and i just wanted to you know give them a shout out here because i think that the conversations they're starting the critiques they're making matter are important these are conversations that really needs to have they're doing great work in you know challenging normalizing of these ideas and getting people to like think about these more critically and you know to learn more about these topics I think they're doing great work. I'm glad that they're in this community, that they're making their voices heard, and they're fighting a good fight. I just wanted to give them a shout out here, because uh, I really appreciate what those guys do every day. Yeah, definitely a huge shout out to Ash. Again, fighting the good fight. Definitely go follow him on Twitter again at King Cocoa Butter. He's doing great work. Ash, if you're listening, hey, I, I don't have much else to add other than I fully agree with giving him a shout out because he really deserves it. Darn straight and. Please also follow the Black Manga Critic on Twitter uh, at the Manga Scholar. Also subscribe to his YouTube channel where he does a lot of great live streams. 
and conversations on there about all sorts of topics that need to be talked about more. Uh, his channel definitely deserves a lot more subscribers, so please subscribe to him on there and also follow him on Twitter. But with all that said, that does it for this episode of Manga Maverick. Yep. Uh, this has been another episode. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And yeah, I hope everybody enjoys the next episode too, because we have a really good interview for you guys next episode, and I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. That's right. Uh, as a follow-up to our Shonen Jump podcast from last year, we interviewed Jason Thompson, the first editor of the English Shonen Jump. It was an amazing conversation. Jason Thompson has been so influential on like the on Shonen Jump being brought to America. He, he was the editor of so many like classic Shonen Jump series for this, and he had just a lot of knowledge to impart, a lot of great experiences and history that he was able to reveal to us. It was a fantastic conversation. So excited to talk to him, and I think you guys are really gonna love that interview next week. So definitely look forward to it. And can I just say? really nice cool guy like oh the nicest like he was such a sweet guy i really can't wait to have him on again <laughs> yeah this is a dream to talk, finally talk to him yeah but uh yeah no definitely look forward to that next episode hopefully that'll be out the week after this episode has come out but again if, if anything changes in our schedule we'll let you guys know and speaking of letting you guys know about things we should probably tell the people where they can find us uh starting with you love yeah, but before we do that, I just want to remind people that our Patreon survey that's is right, that's out. Right. We would still like you guys to take it and let us know your thoughts on a potential Among the Patreon, what level you would pledge to, uh, what rewards you might be looking for. Like, a lot of thoughts that would help us inform our Patreon when we do set it up and what direction we'd like to take it in, what we'd like to focus on with it. So any comments, any uh, thoughts on that would be greatly appreciated. Link will be in the description of this episode. You can also find a link on our Twitter, I'm sure. You know, it'll be around. So definitely take that and let us know because it'd be a real help. Thanks for reminding me because, yeah, like, we're kind of leaning towards starting a Patreon. But again, like, it's really important that you guys take the survey because it's really important that you know, we know what you guys want. Like, we also want to be able to give you guys, you know, the things that you want for supporting us because, I mean, that's only fair. So your guys' input is, like, super, super, super important for this survey in particular. Mm-hmm. So definitely uh, take the Patreon survey. But, yeah, as for where you can find each of us in particular, you can find me at LumRamiyasha on Twitter, on Animation Revelation, wherever there's a LumRamiyasha, that's where you can find me. You can also read my reviews on all-comma.com. I write manga and anime reviews on there. I got a Fate Stay Night Heaven's Feel review out recently for the latest film Lost Butterflies. So you can check that out. You can check out all sorts of reviews that I'll be writing on there on all-comma.com. And yeah, you can also support my writing, uh, my art, whatever, by donating to me on Kofi, uh, Kofi-Lomomiyasha, and that would also be a great help as well. Mm-hmm. And as for me, I'm Colty. You can find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. I do a few other podcasts such as Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast, which is on a bit of a hiatus at the moment, but is uh, we, we, we still have a huge backlog of episodes you can listen to over at gintalifelessons.wordpress.com. Again, if you're a fan of Gintama, uh, maybe go check that out. Or if you're a fan of Case Closed, Detective Conan, whatever you call it, go listen to One Podcast Prevails at onepodcastprevails.com. I record that show with my f good friend Doctor from the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast. Again, if you're a fan of Conan, 
go listen to that. It's it's a really fun show to record, and I really enjoy doing it. So onepodcastprevails.com. But as for all comic in the podcast, uh, you can find every episode of Manga Mavericks over at all-comic.com. This is where we post every episode first. You can also follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. But if you want to follow Manga Mavericks specifically, uh, in particular, you want to follow us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks, as well as mangamavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast. Uh, subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash manga mavericks, where we post different excerpts of the podcast, such as all the news pieces we talk about and uh, all the manga that we review and discuss on the show, and even some exclusive content every once in a while. Again, that's youtube.com slash manga mavericks. If you want to send us an email like like Wensleydale and uh, and Lay did, you want to email us at manga mavericks at gmail.com, and uh, we'll read it on the show, you know? Like, uh, what, what are you reading uh, at the moment? Uh, what do you think about all the news pieces we talked about? What do you think about the new simul pubs from Shut and Jump? Uh, send us your thoughts about anything manga-related in the podcast. Uh, otherwise, again, at mangamavericks at gmail.com. Uh, but the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever people are calling it. You know, it really helps the visibility of our show, really helps get our show out there. Please go do that if you, if, uh, if you have the time to do so. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much going to be it for this episode of Manga Mavericks. This has been episode 81 of the podcast, and we will see you guys next time for episode 82. Bye, guys. Sayonara! Sayonara!